This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. This is The Greg Cody Show, closest to Father's Day. And as I think about Father's Day a lot, there's a lot on my mind. Um, I think about my own dad. I think about the father I am. Um, Mostly I think about uh, Christopher now being a father uh, and and me being a grandfather, which is another (laughs) layer of Father's Day. There's a lot to think about. Um, And um, by the way, we, in the spirit of Father's Day, we, uh, our special guests today are Dan Lebetard and his dad, um, Poppy. You're really going to enjoy that interview. But you know, my own father worked two jobs so that I could be the first one in my family to go to college. He'd come home from work bone tired and I'd toss him a football in and uh, without any complaint, uh, he'd toss the ball to me for a half hour in the, in the backyard. And um, I, I have so much to be grateful for. And um, Christopher, you're a father now, two and a half years. And um, I always wonder how fatherhood has been to you compared to how you imagined it would be. It's weird celebrating Father's Day as a father. It's it, it, I'm still it's just in the mindset of I should be reaching out to you, like all the fathers that I know. It's weird to like think about like, oh, this is my day. Because like while I am a father and I and I loved every second of being a father, I don't I'm not saying that I don't feel like a father, but it's just it's still I'm still adjusting to being celebrated on Father's Day instead of celebrating. Um as far as how parenting has been compared to what I expected. It is, it's unlike any other thing in my life. It's the most cliche, like all the cliches are so insanely true for parenting about how, when you meet the child, like you never can like imagine how you could love something so much like that cliche is true. And just, just the unconditional love that you have for your kid is it's cliche, but it's insane how much you love this thing and how in your your eyes, she's the cutest, she's the best, she's the smartest. And you're not just saying it. You genuinely believe it. And I feel like that has <laughs> it's been amazing. And it's made me, not to get totally sentimental and sappy, but it's made me have more appreciation for you and mom and you know the parents that you guys were. And it, I try to just honestly like emulate you guys and be as loving and present and caring as you guys were to me and it's just it's the best yeah we're very fortunate as a family and i think it's important that we realize that um um you know there's a lot of people out there who don't have the luxury of you know growing up with a father figure or something of that nature and uh we've both been lucky like that and i'm extremely uh grateful and um you all have uh, uh either stumbled into or sought out uh the greg cody show with greg cody and of course, Chris Cody. And this is episode 17. And it's a special one because, um, as I mentioned before, uh, Dan Levitard has been a close friend of mine for a long time. And I've gotten to know his father, Gonzalo, uh, who you all know as Poppy, very well. And um, this is an interesting interview. Uh, emotional at times, uh, fun, mostly. We asked Poppy about uh, leaving Highly Questionable and whether he might come back. And there's some interesting stuff you're going to want to listen to. So uh, let's bring on uh, father and son Levitard. Let's get started because I know Dan is perpetually uh, busy with things to do. So um, unlike, unlike a, myself. Does this have a video component or is this all spoken? This is all spoken. So you could be nude right now and it wouldn't bother me. 
I am. You are. Okay. <laughs> right now. Yeah, but only from the waist down, please. Um, Poppy, I want to start with you and ask, um, what was your relationship like with your own father growing up? How did he shape who you became? I was close to him. He spent a lot of time working, but I was very close to him. And then um, he was the one who, who sent me to the United States when I was about 17 years old. So. And what did your dad do for a living? Oh, he, he, uh, he was a musician. Wow, I never knew that. Interesting. The Levitard brothers were a famous orchestra in Cuba. His, his father, they were very handsome, uh, but not all that talented. Uh, they were, uh, <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong about that? Dad, uh, Herman was the talented one, right, in terms of a talented musician. The rest of them, they're... Yeah, that's right, you're right. Yeah, 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 he was the talented one. The other ones, they just follow him. Dan, what do you remember of your grandfather? I don't know how old you were when he, when he passed away. Uh, I want to congratulate you as we get started here on securing the exclusive Poppy interview here on Father's Day. Father's Day. Poppy, I don't think you're doing any others of these, right? This is only exclusive to the Greg Cody podcast with Greg Cody featuring Greg Cody, correct? That's right. It's a world exclusive, and uh, and we, we want to break news later today. Uh, Christopher keeps telling me, you have to ask questions that will that will make news and I'm like can I just have a conversation but uh, so what do you remember about your grandfather uh, my grandfather was a very good grandfather who was you know coming in and out of my life to spoil me once they got over for, into America from Cuba they did that with both me and my brothers so I got to enjoy them as grandparents like I never I never saw any of the bad stuff he was just a, a very kind man who really loved his grandchildren, and later, uh, later in life, it was just a, a great blessing to have had him come over to the States because my, my father, dad, how many years did you go? When you came over here at 17, how many years did you go? How, how soon did you think you would see him again, and how soon was it before you saw him again? I think I was going to see him in a couple of years or so, and it took, took, took us about uh, five, five years to get together again. Wow, that's amazing. Th those are things that so many... People in this country can't even relate to the idea that families would be separated and that you'd have to struggle to reunite. That's, um, that's an extra layer to uh, the family's relationship uh, with one another, I guess, right? I mean, it's, it's just strange that that's an element that you guys had to go through. Poppy, tell me something about Dan as a kid. What was he afraid of? Dan, afraid of? He wasn't afraid of too many things that I remember. You know, he was quiet. He was very... Uh, very honest. He was very uh, easy to deal with. Uh, I don't remember him being afraid of uh, anything, really. My brother was the mischievous one. I was the I was the responsible one. What I was afraid of is if my dad gave, uh, came home and I broke his tape measure. Oh. Uh, he, he told me many times to not play with the tape measure. And I kept playing with the tape measure, and then one day I broke the tape measure, and the spanking that I got. The problem, you know, of course, was that I was forty-two years old. <laughs> he goes back to the taping incident, you know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I deserved it. I deserved it. I deserved what I got for the taping incident, Gonzo. I have to ask, what the hell was so important about a tape measure? What was the significance of that? Just well, that I, was, I was doing some measuring, and uh, I put the tape aside, and uh, that was the only one that I had. 
and I needed to finish whatever I was doing, and he broke it, so I got a little bit upset, but that was one incident. It was. It was just jarring because, as I said, I was 42 years old, and I wasn't expecting a spanking in that situation. <laughs> did he spank you with the tape measure? Because that would have been appropriate. Uh, my father did very little. Uh, the reason that I remember that is because my father didn't do very much of it. So uh, my parents were not uh, disciplinarians, physical disciplinarians. Poppy, um, I don't think I've ever asked you this directly, but uh, why you stepped away from highly questionable? Because I think there was great concern at the time that they were worried, was it health related? Uh, I'm wondering why you decided to step away and, and will you ever perhaps return to the show? Well, you know, I, uh, I was tired. I was extremely tired and I, was, uh, I needed some time off and uh, I was um, on medication. I had... Uh, taking a couple of medications, and uh, I felt that I needed some time off, so uh, that's what I did. I took some time. I was uh, thinking about going back, but the longer I waited to go back, you know, the, the, more, the more I realized that uh, I might be better off just uh, staying off the show, that's all. Well, what do you think, Dan? You have a lot to say about that. Well, the, the way that my father was on that show is what made the show special. It's what, in that two-hour block of programming from four to six, it made the show most different, uh, stranger. Uh, just people were really fascinated by the father-son dynamic, which is not something you ever see on television, a grown man deferring to his father or playing with his father. And so... Uh, Working with my father is, without question, the greatest professional blessing of my life. The idea that in my father's uh, older age, as, you know, sports brought us together, my father and I, just like his father, worked a lot. My father, as an exile, was working very hard, and it was sports that really connected us when he started coaching our teams, coming home from work. And so in retirement, to have this space that's available to him, and he knows he can come in and out of it uh, when he wants to come in and out of it, uh, it has just been a, an unbelievable treasure to be able to do that for eight years with my father as he's retirement age. Um, and so the show changes in a way. It doesn't have the, the same comedic element. Um, I'm doing it more with my friends and peers. It becomes less different, less unique, uh, but it is a, a very smart stable of people that my father respects and admired, and they all respected and admired him, and they all miss him as well. Uh, so we feel like we're doing a, a very smart show, but it's not the different show that it was, uh, and it's not different for the same reasons. If it is different, it's different because you're getting really smart voices in one place uh, discussing textured, nuanced issues, whereas with my father, we were watching a lot of animal videos, and I <laughs> snort laughing on his shoulder because he, you know, he sneezed in the middle of some important societal point I was making. Poppy, um, what makes you the most proud of Dan? Oh. Dan is a very good person. Everything that he does, you know, he does it uh, out of his good heart. You know, I mean, um, he's a man with a great deal of integrity. He's a very giving person. He does treat everyone the same way, except for me on Tuesdays. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I treat you all. I treat incompetence the same way. I treat all incompetence the same way. And my father's been in your position, and Scott has been in your position, and it's a lucrative position. <laughs> 
Um, Poppy, what is the biggest mistake Dan has ever made? The biggest mistake? Um, trying to figure out that one. That's a good uh, that's a tough one, Poppy. That's, uh, I have not done a lot to fall on the wrong side of my father over the years. I respect uh, him too much to do much of that. But give whatever. I'm giving you some time to think here, Dad, because it's not the easiest question to answer. What do you view as the greatest mistake I've ever made? I don't want to put your dad on the spot. Maybe there is no good answer because you're so perfect. Too late, Cody. You already put him on the spot. He's on the spot and he's got no good answers. <laughs> I would say that the biggest mistake I have ever made, and this isn't up for dispute, we'll all agree with it uh, when I mention it, it is putting Greg Cody on Tuesdays on the radio, I believe. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Cody on Tuesday? Yeah, no. I believe it's the greatest, uh, the greatest error I, I have ever made. I can't okay. dispute that. Uh, I, I would have expected to be in the top 10 at the very least. So, so thank you. Well, for maybe, maybe teaming up with the Stugats. That's another one. <laughs> teaming up with Stugats as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Poppy, any, any funny stories about Dave and Dan growing up? Like, what, what was the relationship like? I know what it is now, but I'm wondering when they were teenagers, uh, what was the dynamic like uh, in, in the house with the two of them? Well, I mean, Dave is a, he's a very creative person, very energetic. He, he was always uh, uh, giving my, 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 my wife uh, his mother a difficult time. She was always trying to figure out where was David, what was David doing, because David was like a bohemio. And uh, Dan was very uh, straightforward. He was uh, extremely uh, careful, whatever he did, very... Uh, very measured and everything that he did, always, always, uh, you know, not making any type of mistakes. But the two of them, they got along fine. David never liked sports. Dan, Dan always likes sport. David is uh, always love art. Art. Dan never liked art. So uh, that pretty much does it. Poppy, I've, I've always meant to ask you this because uh, I, I suspect it can't have been happenstance. What is the reason that that you and Lourdes uh, elected to give both of your sons? very American sounding names as opposed to names more typical in Cuba? Well, because uh, they are the biblical names, Dan and David. That's, uh, you know. It, uh, it, it was something that was told to me, Poppy. I don't know. You'd have to verify it or not, uh, that it was twofold on Dan and David. And I think I heard my mother squawking somewhere there in the background. Uh, one, it was to have the grandparents who didn't speak English because they were Spanish and English names to be able to say the name. But also my father was worried about me encountering uh, some of the Hispanic uh, you know, troubles or racial stuff that might be problematic that he got for being Gonzalo or my mom got for being Lourdes. And so they were very Americanized uh, biblical names. Am I saying anything that's inaccurate there, Poppy? No, that's true too. Yeah, that's true too. Dan, what I know about you as confidently as I know anything about you is the gratitude that you've always felt uh, for the sacrifices that, that your parents made um, so that you could be what you would become. Could you just talk about that for a little bit? I mean, it's, a, it's absurd, Greg. Like, I saw how they had to work. I, I saw that I never lacked for anything. I never knew that we didn't have everything because it felt like in our home we had everything. I didn't feel the size of the struggle. It's only something I can see in retrospect because I didn't have any comparison points for it. 
in my childhood. So um, I saw the sacrifice, the labor that my family made. I saw that my mom is probably the one who could do more with her personality than anyone in our family, but that she stayed home so that he would be driving to work in a 1969 Valiant that had a hole in the floor and a glove compartment that opened every time we hit a bump, uh, but he was driving me to a private school because he knew that the way for us to get what we wanted, they had embedded all the work ethic of exiles, uh, but then we needed the American education. And look at the fields that we chose and the degree of difficulty in the fields that we chose. Uh, my brother had it even harder than than I did, and it's because they gave us the confidence at home, both of them, my mother and my father, gave us the confidence at home to have the strength to do these hard professional things, these artistic professional things, these creatively free things that you might not find in their country because both of them were willing to leave their own families as teenagers and almost literally throw their lives to the wind so that me and my brother would just never have it anything but easy. All we had to do was work, Greg, that's it. Like all we had to do was work and behave and I worked and behaved and my brother, you know, got there a little later in terms of both working and behaving, but he eventually got there. As I look back, my own dad was, uh, could be very gruff. Uh, he grew up in a generation where the hugs and the compliments were pretty rare. And I wonder, Dan, um, what's the most, most emotional that you've ever seen your dad? Uh, well, I've never heard him say what he just said to you about being proud of my integrity. My father, like a lot of Latin men of a certain time, my father is not effusive with the words. Like, I've got to pry and I love you out of my father. Uh, there are any number of conversations that end with my father, uh, me saying, I love you, and his response being, okay. And then me hearing that dial tone, uh, because my father, that's not the way that he's built. He, he shows uh, more than says. Uh, so I don't have a lot of examples of my father expressing a great deal of pride for me. I do. I still remember the baseball that he wrote, I'm proud of you on, an orange pen on a baseball because I threw a no-hitter like in first or second grade. And I spent the rest of my life really working really hard to uh, please a man who didn't uh, express pleasure very much. Like I, I believe it's part of the reason that I've been able to have the professional success I have because uh, getting, uh, trying to please him raised a very high standard for what I expected from my work and my behavior. That baseball on which he signed, I'm proud of you. Uh, how much were you able to get on eBay for that? That baseball, do you remember that no-hitter, Poppy? Do you remember that? Oh, I remember that, yeah. I remember. That was uh, the first time, the second time you pitched. Yeah, I remember that. There it is. And that right there is as effusive and as emotional as you will hear him. Right there, Greg. I remember that. Look at him. His tears, uh, he's got his eyes are welling with tears. He can <laughs> barely keep it together. Look at him. I can see the emotion just uh, exuding. Uh, what is it about the older generation? And I say that as an old guy. What is it about the older generation? Because my father gave me very little, I thought, in, in the way of effusive praise or anything like that. But I find out very accidentally, very late in his life, that he had been keeping scrapbooks of my newspaper clippings uh, for years, for years. And, and I never knew about it. And anyway.
You're not the one who's supposed to cry here, Cody. You're the interviewer. Hold it together. You're supposed to make me cry or my dad cry. How did you make this story about your well, own it, father? It, it, always about, it always comes back to me. Come on, you know that by now. I'm looking for leveteers. I just haven't hit the right question yet. Um, <laughs> what's the angriest uh, you saw your father on your behalf growing Hold up? Hold on, you didn't get an answer to the question. Oh. I'll answer that in a second, but you didn't get an answer to your question because you teared up. What's I didn't. The, what's, what's wrong, Poppy, with men of a certain age that they can't express their pride, that here's Greg crying all these years later because he didn't know how proud his dad actually was of him, and now his dad is dead, and Greg's got a terrible cough, and this interview is being ruined by the memory that Greg has that his father didn't wow. show him the proper love while he was alive. <laughs> Explain yourself, Poppy. Speak on behalf of all older men. Why can't you show love? I have always been expressive with you guys. A little bit here, a little bit there. So there it is, Greg. There it was, a little bit here right. and a little bit there. What is the angriest I ever saw my father on my behalf? Is yes. that what the question mm -hmm. was? Uh, my father one time argued, I wonder if you remember this, Poppy, do you remember the details of this? My father was in an optimist club uh, where we were all playing sports, kids of my age, uh, and something happened with another coach, and you had to make an argument on my behalf in front of people uh, defending my honor. What are the details? I don't remember, I don't remember what the details are on that. The only thing that happened at the Optimist Club was the fact that, you know, uh, I was the coach who uh, didn't select you for the, uh, the All-Star team. They needed the number of votes, and I was the only one that, you know, didn't vote for you. Yeah, no, but hold on a second. That's the opposite of the story that Greg Cody is trying to Endless. get. That's also true, Greg, by the way. I needed one All-Star vote from a coach to make the team, and it was my father who did not give it to me. That's an absolutely true story. There was a time, Dad, I, I don't remember whether I was an umpire as a teenager or what it was, but something, oh. something had happened in a game, and, and nobody believed me, and there was some sort of controversy, and you had to make the angry argument on behalf of your son wouldn't be lying. You don't remember this story? Well, you know, the only, the only time that uh, they made a lot of noise was because you were too young to be an umpire. And I said, no, 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 no. He says, you know, he has come through the ranks and he deserved a chance to be umpiring these games, you know. That was the only thing that, that I remember on any type of instance, that they wanted to take you out and they didn't want you to umpire again. There is a good story involving my brother, though. Uh, my brother... Uh, in a game, my father, uh, my brother, again, what he said about my brother is so true. My brother is the guy who was ejected from a game by his own coach because he was a right fielder throwing rocks at his center fielder. My brother would get distracted, even though he was very fast. He would get distracted by the way the wind blew through the ear hole of his helmet, and he would not know that the play was starting as the running back who was getting the ball because he was too busy changing the way the wind whistled through the ear hole in his helmet. But a team was going after my brother's knees in a game, and oh. my, my mother was in the stands saying to another mother, I love how much these games and sports have softened my husband, made him uh, a, a human being who is uh, a, little, uh, a little warmer and kinder and nicer. 
And as she's doing this, my father is rolling around on the ground with Wayne Yusina fighting him because physically fighting the opposing coach on the floor <laughs> because the opposing coach was letting his kids go after my brother's knees. Isn't that right, Papi? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's a good story. That's a good story. Everybody was going after David, you know, because he was the running back, you know, and uh, I kept yelling at the referee, you know, he's going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt. So, you know, I went after the coach then and we had a, a rough up, that's all. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, man. What's the most frustrated, Dan, that, that you ever saw Poppy on the set of HQ or the most frustrated you ever were with Poppy on the set of HQ? Well, t working in television with anybody has its challenges. As Working in any of this stuff with anybody, there are any number of times. I mean, we're friends. We love each other. Our history goes back a long way. And there's all sorts of times that I'm falling on the wrong side of something more often than you're falling on the wrong side of something uh, because I have to sort of, sort of control the environment, even though the environment is most fun when it's not controlled. And so... I would say that the the difficulty, such that it was working with my father, is that my father believed or behaved as if everyone else but me there was in charge. He was uh, someone who uh, is very respectful of authority, but I'm always his son. I'm never going to be the boss. Like, And so over time, it became uh, his show, and then they're just sort of the daily mechanics of whatever. You've had a long day and you arrive next to your father and he's doing the show in his second language and he's doing it the best that he can, but they put something on the screen that's really hard to read and it's going to take him a long time to read it. And just, just the, the silly stuff that happens. Nothing meaningful, nothing enduring, nothing that lasts, but just those moments of frustration where you get frustrated with your father the same way that he would get frustrated with his son over things that go back a lifetime, right? That go back to when I'm 10 years old or when he's 30 years old. Just the father-son dynamics that uh, when you're in a creative environment are gonna produce a lot of the best stuff that we did, but is also gonna have some places where I irritate him or he, ir he irritates me. Dan, I remember for me um, how Father's Day changed by shades and degrees every year, the older my own dad got. And then when my dad passed away, Father's Day became something different altogether when Christopher became a father and I'm a grandfather all of a sudden. How over the years, as you've aged, as Poppy has aged, how has Father's Day changed for you in terms of uh, what it means to you emotionally? I've, I've always had the, most, the utmost respect for my father beyond the love that I have for him. Like my mother put my father on a pedestal growing up, so he was... He was not a man, he merely a man. He was uh, sort of the epicenter of everything that our life was built on. And so uh, she would do special things for Father's Day when we were growing up. And I have done thoughtful things for my father, but my father doesn't actually need very much of that. My father uh, is almost always, it seems to me, happy with whatever we give him. Uh, he will take that and, and be satisfied with it. So while I've done great and thoughtful gestures for my father over the years, I don't know that it has changed all that much because I think I extend to my father a, a certain respect that he, I, I mean, it sounds corny, but like that almost every day is Father's Day because I, I always treat him with uh, the, the, the maximum amount of respect that I can muster. Well, I always treat you with a, a great deal of respect too. So it goes both ways. You know, I, I'm very proud of you and, you know, 
And I have said that to you many, 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 many times. So, uh, you know. But that doesn't really answer Greg's question of how Father's Day has, has changed over the years. Do you agree with the assessment that you don't seem to need very much? No, Father's Day is a very special day. I look forward to see you and to see your brother on Father's Day and I spend some time with you guys. Poppy, um, as I get older, I'm, I'm in my 60s now, and, um, you know, mortality creeps in. You know, you begin thinking of things that you didn't 10 years earlier. I wonder... Um, how has the aging process been for you? I, I, I hope that's not too personal a question, but I can, I can begin to relate to the aging. I can begin to relate being an older guy. And I'm just wondering, Poppy, how you're dealing with that. Poppy, how are you dealing with the fact that Greg Cody thinks you're going to die? How are you dealing with your mortality, Poppy? Oh, listen, I mean, I'll tell you what, you got to enjoy life. A little bit, drink a little bit of wine here and there, you know. I mean, uh, you gotta, you gotta, the aches, you know, they start creeping on you, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do whatever you gotta do. We wanna wrap it up by making news. Uh, we'd like both of you to um, give us the, uh, the return date. Poppy will be back on Highly Questionable full time. When is that again? He has been in and out of Highly Questionable. We don't even know what we can do around here. Do you know that? the lengths that my father had to go to just to get this Zoom call set up. <laughs> this is, um, I was telling Greg this off the air, this interview, this exclusive interview is costing my father money because he's got to hire his own tech guy in order to get this Zoom call off the ground. We're doing Zoom calls every day on our show and uh, Poppy is welcome to come in and out and has been in and out. Over, over the last few weeks until the world went to hell recently with what, you know, the pandemic. And then you don't want to be sending a tech guy to my father's house where he needs to be by himself, uh, unlike the way that he is right now, where there's a tech guy nearby, not socially distanced enough, as my father doesn't wear a mask. And so it's not going to be bad enough on Father's Day that this interview costs my father money. You might be responsible for actually killing my father as the last question of the interview is about whether he's thinking about his mortality because he brought an IT guy into the house over there where he shouldn't have one in there. Speaking on behalf of the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody featuring Greg Cody, I appreciate Gonzalo uh, Poppy Levitard putting his own life at risk to participate in this interview. It speaks well of him. Uh, it, it speaks of his heroism, his bravery. And, uh, and everyone within the sound of my voice is, uh, is kneeling right now in homage. So uh, thank you very much, Poppy. Anytime. <laughs> I feel like, Greg, I don't feel like my father gave you a lot, of, a lot of the good stuff. I don't feel like he gave you the TV character, the fun guy, the wacky guy. He, he did a very serious Father's Day interview. That doesn't bother me. I, I wasn't looking for the wacky guy. I was looking for uh, heartfelt, uh, honest, and, uh, and I think we got that. What were the Vegas odds on one of us crying and it being you? What, like that has to be, you had to be a real dark horse on being the one who was going to cry during that. Well, first of all, I deny that I cried. Uh, rolled, rolled back the tape. Uh, what I did was I paused to gather my thoughts is what happened. There were no <laughs> tears involved, but uh, there might be, Christopher and I are going to be having a talk about uh, my father and his father and, what all this means as well. So uh, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll shed a levitier. I don't know. Dad, close us out here with a message for the people who are listening to this podcast and giving Greg Cody all the clicks. 
give uh, give the people a message from Papi. I love you all, and I tell you one thing: the sooner I get back, the better off I'm going to be. All right, there it is. That wow. is not necessarily news, but that's my father putting pressure on ESPN to all get right. him back in the studio, yeah. even if it kills him. Okay, we'll we'll sell it as news. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> No, thank you both. I, I really appreciate it. Seriously. Thank you, Greg. We love you. My father wouldn't do this for a lot of people. Give me that, uh, give me that uh, bill for the IT. Yeah. Yesterday, I want to tell the listeners this because this is a thing that actually happened. It's a true story. Uh, I was demanding that Greg Cody reimburse my father for his oh. tech for his no. tech guy. No, no, hold on a second. For his tech guy expenses. And I made Greg Cody on a conference yeah. call give my father his address. And my father pretended like he was writing down the address, pretended to repeat the numbers. And then when I quizzed him afterward, he failed the test because he hadn't written down And he had just changed all the numbers trying to get them in his old man head right and they were all wrong. My father lied to me in order to save Greg Cody money. That's a thing that actually happened. Uh, that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah. You all the time. <laughs> Love you, Poppy. <laughs> okay, take care, Craig. All right. We'll see you guys. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Dan and Poppy. Uh, very enjoyable conversation there. Um, hey, all of you who uh, maybe are listening to us for the first time, check out our back catalog. We've um, had a lot of fun doing this podcast, and we're going to continue to do it. We've talked to Mina Kimes and Tim Kirchin and Luther Campbell, Ron McGill, Juju Gotti, the, uh, the, the lawyer who brought Jeffrey Epstein to justice. There's always a variety in our guest list here. And uh, check us out. Please listen, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, support us as we continue on this endeavor. Also, <laughs> next week's a biggie. Should we tell the people? Should we tell the people who we're talking to next week? <laughs> well, I will just say that next week, the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody has special guest Greg Cody. Wait, so you're just interviewing yourself? Um, you'll have to check it out and see. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'm interviewing myself. It could be somebody else named Greg Cody, my doppelganger of nomenclature. You'll have to check back and find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. <laughs>